part of the lesson series that we've been looking at the church is because I think it, it's super important for us to realize that yes, Jesus came and lived and died for each one of us personally. But I think that a lot of times we miss how that that personal redemption fits into a corporate plan of God's redemptive plan for us. So as we're moving toward Easter and we're moving toward that celebration of his death, burial, and resurrection, we just need to be thinking about, as we're looking this morning, and I'm going to ask you again to just consider, what is church? So as we get started this morning, um, I want to just ask you, where do you get... we're entering into the interactive phase, so like when I ask a question, you know, this is like, I know some of you process information differently, so you'll come up with an answer tomorrow at noon, so I'm cool with that, I understand that, but there's a lot of other people that they don't process that way, so I need for you to cover, all right? So let me ask you, typically, where do you get your view of church from? You personally. What is, what is your... What is your thought process? Where do you get your view, your information, your belief, your perspective on church? Past experiences? Family? Television? See, now, you just, that's good. The Bible? Yeah, that's good. What else? Different, different types of churches. Do all churches that meet around this area have the same view, the same function, the same way that they approach church? No, not at all. So if you don't know, this church family is from, I mean, just about every denominational tradition that we could mention. Um, We come together, and what's beautiful is we take all of our past traditions, our past uh, perspectives, and we're trying to blend them together and learn from each other. And so that's good. So what is, what is your current, and you don't have to answer me out loud, but I want you to just think about what is your current perspective on church? Because see, it's important for you to understand that me personally and our church leadership, our shepherds, all the leadership, male and female in this church family, as we learn together, one of the things that you may regularly be challenged about is your view of church and what church means to you. Not that we're saying anything bad about the past, but at the same time, we have to learn and get back to the simplicity and the beauty of what Christ has called us to. So, I just want to ask you a couple more questions, and you can be involved in this. When the New Testament was written, what was kind of going on socially in the world? What was the culture like? What, can, you, can you share with me during that period of time when the Bible was written, tell me a little bit about what you know was going, going on in the world. So the Roman government was in charge of a lot of mm-hmm, Caesar. Paganism? Yep. Not, not a quote-unquote Christian world? Okay, what else? 
Persecution of the church? Yep. Church was not readily embraced by most governments. Segregation? Absolutely. A lot of segregation. What else? A lot, a lot of believers, it was not a public, open, hey, this is who I am, it's cool. A lot of, a lot of self-protection. That's what I've heard. What I've heard. What else? Tell me, tell me about economics. A lot of slavery. A lot of, a lot of bond servants. A lot of servitude. A lot of slaves. Slavery for a lot of reasons. Fishing was good. You live near water. <laughs> Just like here. Do what? Yep. Women were, women were thought of in a much different manner than ladies in America. Definitely. So what I want you to just think about real quickly, all the things that you've said, and I want you to consider this because, um, well, let me just give you a practical, let me do a practical question and answer. How many of you have the ability to burn firewood during the wintertime? Okay, this I can't see. This we can see. Okay, good. Okay, so you burn firewood. All right, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. All right. How many of you burn firewood as a source of heat? Keep your hand up. Okay. How many of you primarily use firewood as your main source of heat? Keep your, keep your hand up. Yeah, it's like Richard's like, yeah, yeah, it's not good. All right, so of those of you that use firewood, all right, you can put your hands down. Thank you. You're very cooperative. All right. Dusty is splitting firewood just like some... Fun pastime, or is it a necessity? Hmm? It's a necessity. It's, a, it's exercise. That's good. So if you don't exercise, do you have heat? No. <laughs> Lewis just looks at me with that dumb look like, no, no. So this is what I want you to think about. The reason I'm asking that is if you are using wood as your source of heat, you understand that there has to be preparation. You're working in advance. Since we moved to our house, I have not gotten to that point where I'm stacking wood in advance. For those of you that have bailed us out a couple years in a row, my heart, thank you very much. You have blessed us deeply. Our goal this summer is to get ahead. The reason I mention that is because there is a much different approach mentally and psychologically, when you are doing what you're doing to survive. Are you tracking with me? The early church, the way that things were economically and where they were and the lack of things that we have today, there was more time spent in surviving and less time spent in other areas. Does that make sense? So what they were trying to do, when you think about it, if things were different and if you didn't have a grocery store and if you didn't have freezer space and if you didn't have things the way that you have right now and you had to do like some of your great-great-grandparents did and you were canning your food and you were doing other things, you understand we don't relate to this, but you have to do a lot more in preparation of survival. Does that make sense? Because you're, you're not just pulling something out of the freezer and pulling a meal out. You have to work more. Now, those of you that have been to a third world country, like when we go to Uganda, like when I've talked to some of you and you've never been out of the country, you've never been to a third world country, it's hard for you to fathom 
that a lot of these people are fighting to survive. They don't have the amenities. They don't have the ability to just throw things away. You may throw something on the ground and you see a child comes behind you and picks it up because they're going to recycle, retool, reuse what you've just discarded because they don't have that resource pool like what we're accustomed to here. Okay? Think about this. So I want to just write a couple words up here that I want you to think about. All right? And this is what we, this is a big thing. All of us in here, in some shape, form, or fashion, have the privilege of convenience and comfort. And for some of you, because of where you are socioeconomically, this is a way bigger deal to you than maybe other people that are sitting here that are in a little bit different situation fighting for things. So what I want you to just think about is... When you, are, when you experience convenience and comfort, when you are able to have those things, it's, it's more difficult to understand a survival mindset. Does that make sense? Because let's be honest with us. Let's be honest with ourselves. Most of us here this morning are blessed to the point where every single day you don't wake up and you're trying to pray and figure out simply how you're going to survive or if you're going to be able to provide food for your family. Does that make sense? Let's just be real. That's, that, and praise God for that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just want you to think about this, that that ease of that convenience and comfort is different than if you are over here. And I want you to think about when you're trying to survive, just hang with me if I'm confusing you. Just ask questions. But when you're in survival mode, there's something that we don't think about that we have a tendency to overlook. When we've been blessed with convenience and comfort, do you understand that across America right now, there is an academic of commitment issues? Mark? Oh, okay. You were talking about golf? No, I'm just not yet. <laughs> so think about it. When there's comfort and convenience, it becomes something that turns inwardly and there's not that pressure to survive. But when you're trying to survive, you think about that level of survival. When we go to other countries, and hear me when I say this, because when we go to other countries and we go to worship with them and we, and we study with them, and we, what, what we're regularly blown away, whether it's in Ecuador, whether it's the Dominican Republic, whether it's in an Asian country, whether it's in Africa, on the continent of Africa, what is regularly proclaimed is we are blown away, people are blown away by their commitment to their Lord and what they're willing to do to serve Him and pursue Him. So, I want you to just think about something as we read Ephesians chapter 5. I'm just going to remind you real quick, and we're going to look at some of these scriptures, but I want to remind you what we looked at a couple weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 5, and it's an analogy, and I just want you to read with me verses 25 and on, because I want to remind you, that we're looking towards celebration of each Easter. Verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 5, and there's this, there's this analogy, this amazing comparison that Paul is using for some mysterious, beautiful things. He says, husbands, love your wives 
in the same way, just as your example should be as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Why did he do that? Because there was a love, there was a passion, there was a commitment to the church, his bride. And we're not going to go through and look at the other portions of Scripture in the New Testament where it talks about the bride of Christ and then Christ's love. But he says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, if you would, just jump over to uh, Matthew chapter 16 with me. Matthew chapter 16. And we're not going to argue over the interpretation of Peter's response here. I want you to think about something. When Christ was asking, hey, who do some say, who do you guys think I am? Who do they say I am? Verse 15 of Matthew chapter 16. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. So I want you to just think about, there's just a couple of passages that what we're talking about is what is your view of church? And I have to say this, compared to what's already been mentioned, the revealed truth of what the church is in the Scripture. Because if we're not careful, what we've done is we've made things, we've made things for what works for us, sometimes first and foremost. So let me switch gears with you, and I want to ask you a couple of questions real quick, okay? What are some things that we can be involved in here in America or some of the things that are easy to be involved in, okay? Some either clubs. So somebody give me a first one. What's something you can be involved in? A group, an organization, a club, something, huh? Sports. Yes. All right, we got to be... We got, we got to refine it more. Okay, so what sport? What's going on right now? All right. What do we say? Oh, baseball. Beautiful time of year. What else? What? Thank you. TNF, track and field. What else? Soccer. What'd you say? Somebody said. I thought somebody said archery. Did somebody say archery? Okay, I thought I heard that. Okay, what else? Human foosball. No, that's not the reason Derek's not here today, by the way. Okay, those of you that understand. 
tennis. You, you, what? Show jumping. Yeah, I was going to say is that equestrian. I get you. Hunting. And that can be turkey, deer. Okay, we got fishing. Good. What else? Golf. Golf, bingo. I've known some people that that is a serious sport. You don't play. You don't mess around with their board either. What else? Boating. Do you get, do you get, we, we haven't even talked about motorcycles. We haven't even talked about hiking. We haven't even talked about backcountry packing. We haven't even talked about, uh, I mean, you think about, we could literally fill up both of these boards, motorcycles, dirt bikes, mountain biking. I mean, we could talk about skydiving. We could talk about parasailing. We could talk about, um, what do you call it when you have the surfboard and is that windsurfing? Yeah, exactly. We haven't talked about skiing. We had, how many of you have? barefooted before behind a boat yeah that's what i'm talking about okay so i'm just saying if you think about it and please understand that the reason i put these on this side when we go to other countries when we're doing mission trips i want to just say to some of you that have not been in those situations none of these are even on the board for options do what that's good, Jeff. Thank you. You rein me in. Okay? Football across the world. Okay? Yes, that is an option. But if you would see where some of them play, you would be like, they need full body armor. Okay? Because that's like playing on concrete. So my point is, and what I want you to just consider this morning, is that as we are talking about things, and as we're looking at things, what I want you to consider this morning is just the fact that for all of us, with our blessings, it's one of those things that we have to continually evaluate because Jesus makes it very clear that the church, and when he's talking about the church, the church is bigger than you. The church is not a singular person. The church is a group. And what I see taking place when we talked at the men's retreat and when we talked about different things and men were beginning to open up and be honest about the things that they're dealing with, please hear me when I say this. There is a deeper attack on isolation and division taking place in the church in America over the last 10 years than most of us are even aware of. Because we can experience the power of God individually and Kevin did that by faith this morning. And if you were watching and looking over here at Alice and just tears rolling down her face, to God be the glory. That's a, that's a mom that is thankful to God for what's going on. But there's a difference between Kevin making a choice that he is personally going to pursue Christ and Tim and Kevin binding together to make that pursuit or Tim and Kevin and Tucker binding together that we're going to stand with each other. And please, here's what I want you to consider this morning. There's none of those things over here that you will ever hear me say are bad or wrong or evil. I'm not one of those kind of guys. And I'm thankful 
for your involvement, and I'm thankful for what's going on. But I want you to understand something, that when we are looking at the early church, when they came to Christ, the church was a huge part of their lives because they didn't even have the option for a lot of these things. Now, let me just say this. For a lot of people, church is just one nice option of a thousand. And what I'm trying to say that we need to stop and evaluate this morning is that Christ made a declaration that he came and lived and died because this corporate group, this group that would meet locally, and this group that you could call collective that would be universal, that yes, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, anyone that would believe in him, would be saved, rescued, transformed. But at the same time, we've just read verses, and I'm trying to remind you that Christ loved the group, the bride, the church, and he gave himself for it. And brothers and sisters, I can say this, with power and belief and from experience in my life, that the power of God individually is supposed to be multiplied when we come together and work together as the body, as the flock, as the living organism of Jesus Christ, and we all begin to understand that each and every person adds value and is important because we make up the church. And when we begin, and here's what I want you to just consider. A lot of people say to me, well, I'm doing this and I want to, and you begin to say spiritually. But I just want to be honest with you that it is a rare man or a rare woman and We have some rare men and women in this church family. But it is a rare man or a rare woman that can maintain their spiritual vitality all alone by themselves in this world and make all of these endeavors an expression of ministry without a body of believers. And we're going to talk about this next week where they are encouraged and built up and challenged, and there's this rubbing shoulders together spiritually to where the things are activated. And I want to say to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, if you are a person right now that in your mindset you think that you can go it alone or you think that you can live out what you're being called to do by listening to a a radio pastor and thank God for them or by listening to a Christian radio station and hallelujah for the Christian radio station, But that's not how God set things up for the church to function and the church to bless and the church to enlarge and reach the world for Christ. And I'm not one of those guys. I've never been. We're not trying to brand people here. And I'm not trying to get people like you got to come to Mountain View. We have all kinds of people that we minister to that are in different church families. There are some of you right now that are here this morning that you're involved in a different church family. Hallelujah for that. I'm glad to have you here. But at the same time, your church family needs to be challenging you and stretching you and confronting you with the reality of Scripture and what Christ has called you to do. Because what are we all naturally? 
Got a little, I wasn't going to say that. That was a little harsh. No, I'm just joking. We're all a little self-focused. So as we learn to function here, it should be from our love for Christ and our love for one another that then we go out into the world in all these activities and we truly become salt and light. Does that make sense? So, Romans chapter 1, Paul says this very plainly. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for anybody that will believe. And he talks about who he's talking about. These thousands of choices and activities that we're blessed to be involved in, when we are loving Christ and loving his church the way that he does, you want to know as a, as a spiritual leader, you want to know why we pray for other church families publicly in here? Because I think it's important for us to remember that we are just one of many flocks. And there are men and women all around this region that are serving Jesus Christ. And you know why I do that? Because I love the church and the church is important to me and I care about other church families. Why? Because Jesus does. And you know that when you are making church important, and whatever that means to you, whether small groups, being here on Sunday mornings, that it should be making a vital difference in how you are out here. But I want to take you back to something. As we're looking into Easter and celebration of the resurrection, I'm going to ask you again in love, how committed are you genuinely to Christ and the body that he died for, the church? And what's amazing to me is so many people they say, oh, Tim, you don't know, I'm, I'm, man, I'm wrecked, I'm messed up, I've got this past. The most beautiful open conversations I have with brothers and sisters in this church family is when they just come clean about who they are. And you know what I love is because most of us, when we are put face down and we're broken, had a conversation with a gentleman yesterday. Broken man. Been in church leadership. Broken man, sweetheart. But because of his world being ripped apart, and he got into a survival mode, I can tell you right now, he feels it like a throwaway. But what's beautiful and what I tried to encourage him with is his commitment to Christ and the light that's shining through him is stronger now than it was when he was pastoring a church. You want to know why? Because when you're in that survival mode, you cling desperately. Some of you, you're going through the most difficult, sucky, nasty challenging time of your life, and you're scared, you're embarrassed, you're ashamed to share that with anybody, let me just tell you something. Don't be, because a lot of us are in the same boat, and that's the very thing. Like Kevin, did you hear what Kevin proclaimed to you? Kevin didn't give you the whole story because he didn't have time, but his life and what he was doing and the choices he was making, hope you're okay with me saying it because I'm going to, that, <laughs> that was my quick disclaimer, so you can get up and go to the bathroom if you want to. So, I'm just saying the where he was and where his mind was and where his heart was and the choices that he was making is not the same guy that was standing up here this morning. Yes? No. But God used that situation to open his eyes, to get his heart, 
And what I have seen and what many of you have seen is that because of him fighting to survive and the level of dependence and commitment that he's had for Christ, it's making a difference in his life. Christ died for us individually, but he died for us together. He died for us as a body. Now, if you're going to ask me to explain that, I can't because I just like, whoa. Can you imagine? I don't, how did God see Rashawn Turner and Tim Duggins and be like, I'm going to redeem them and they're going to be like this? It's way bigger than you and I, man. And we're the church. And so let me ask you, do you see the church, as we use this term, through normalize your experience, your denomination, all these things that have been handed down to you by other people? Or are you opening your heart up and saying to Christ, Christ, you reveal your heart to me. Help me to understand what the church truly means to you. And just so you know, that's some of the reason why we do things backwards and strange and different here. Because we're trying to learn to keep it simple. And we're trying to be really careful not to mess things up. Does that make sense? What's your dependence level on Christ this morning? What's your dependence level on the people that you're sitting here with? So let me give you a practical example. This is how I think. So I wrote these things down. Many of you know Jan's father, Ted. He's in ICU at Roanoke. Tom and Jan, uh, they were going to go down and encourage their daughter. A lot of people are gone on spring break right now. Connor Smith had a tonsillectomy on Tuesday. So little Connor's been digging ice cream this week. All right? Um, pray for that family. Kathy Mills is sick this morning. There's a lot of people that are sick. Travis and Donnell, they're in West Virginia um, celebrating their anniversary uh, this weekend. Uh, Sean Manuel, I don't know if you know uh, Sean or not. Sean's at home. If you're not aware, Sean has a rare form of juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. A little guy lives in pain every day of his life. Um, Mom is doing her best to care for him. That's what it means to be the body of Christ, to be the church. We care for each other. We stand next to each other. When somebody's not here, we got a ton of people traveling this week, a lot of different things going on. You reach out, you love. You just do those little bitty things because in the same way Christ cares about us corporately. The beautiful part is he cares individually, but he cares corporately. And we got to learn to live in that. I have not said that anything over here is evil. I would never say that. But we all have to guard ourselves that these things don't take the place of our Lord and our God. Because Jesus said himself that the chief thing is to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we should be pursuing these things through our love for him and that growing ministry of reaching out to other people. 